So I want you to welcome, uh, first time to the pulpit of the Mission Church, Pastor Dan McLaughlin, the Secretary Treasurer of the Assemblies of God here in New York. Amen. Welcome, sir. It's Thank good you. to have you with us today. Thank Amen. You. All right. Well, good morning. It's great to be with you here this morning at the Mission Church. And uh, wow. Wow. I, I don't know if you realize, you realize this, don't you, that you have a wonderful church. You realize that? And uh, you have a wonderful leadership team and staff here at the Mission Church. And uh, not only are they great leaders here within your church and within this community, but uh, your staff as a whole are leaders across our network and across our fellowship and bless and influence leaders all across the state of New York. And so I just want to say thank you so much for the Mission Church being an investing church, a giving church beyond yourselves. It means a lot to us, and it, it's a blessing to our fellowship, so thank you. Uh, if you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to look at uh, John's Gospel, Chapter 4. John's Gospel, Chapter 4. And uh, I do want to say it's a, it's a privilege to be sharing with you at the end of your 21 Days of Hunger emphasis. Uh, you have wonderful leadership in this church who understand that spiritual breakthrough is directly connected to the shifting of our deepest loves and desires. One of my favorite quotes comes from author James K.A. Smith, and he writes this in his book, You Are What You Love. He says, discipleship is more a matter of hungering and thirsting than of knowing and believing. Think about that for a minute. Discipleship is more a matter of hungering and thirsting than of knowing and believing. We're going to unpack that idea in just a bit, but isn't it true that as a culture, we are constantly looking for uh, deeper ways, uh, deep and more meaningful ways to satisfy us, right? We're looking for, for things that will satisfy us in more deep and meaningful ways. And the truth is, we often look in all the wrong places, don't we? <laughs> we don't naturally run towards what's good for us. We naturally run away from it. We don't naturally run towards exercise. I don't really run towards exercise. I walk towards exercise, maybe. <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't run towards eating healthier or, or, or discipline, right? Instead, I, I go towards things that I think are going to fulfill me in the moment. So not only do we run away from what's good for us, but we also, when, when, we, when we actually get the thing we're running towards, it never fulfills us like we want it to, does it? There's a reason that 70% of those who win the lottery become broke within seven years or less. It's true. What we think is going to fulfill us, what we think is going to change our lives, what we think is going to fulfill all the dreams we've ever had actually ends up being less than what we expected. We are constantly allured by things that overpromise, underdeliver, and won't last. And the work of Jesus, the work that Jesus wants to do in our lives is a work at the hunger level of my life. The work that Jesus wants to do in our lives is a work at the hunger level of our lives. And in our passage this morning, if we pay attention to Christ's words, we're going to see that he gives us a new way to look at satisfaction and fulfillment. Some context to this passage before we get into reading it here. Uh, Jesus has gone into Samaria with his disciples, and they stop at a well. The disciples go into the village to get some food. Jesus stays there at the well by himself, and there he meets a woman who comes and Jesus asks her to draw water from the well and to give him a drink. And her response to Jesus is, don't you know who I am? 
In other words, she's saying, Jesus, don't you know who I am? I'm a Samaritan woman and you're a Jew. We're not supposed to be talking to each other. And Jesus' response to her is, don't you know who I am? And we pick up here in John chapter 4, verse 10. It says, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Verse 13, Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And Jesus goes on to tell the woman all about herself, all of the worst parts of her life. And yet, as she sees who Jesus is, she then goes, she leaves, and she begins to tell everyone she knows about Jesus. And then the disciples come back, verse 31, and they say to Jesus, Rabbi, eat. But he says to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Would you pray with me one more time this morning? Heavenly Father, today it is our prayer that you would do in us what you desire. God, we thank you for the gift that is Jesus Christ. And we thank you for the promise that we have that in you we find true and lasting fulfillment. And so, Lord, today I pray that you would reveal the lesser gods that we have in our hearts that we try to use to satisfy our hunger. And Lord, we pray that you would build in us a new hunger, a hunger for you, a deep and lasting hunger, God, that can only be fulfilled by Jesus Christ and by being a part of his work. In Jesus' name. The first thing I'd like you to notice in this passage this morning is the limits of physical pleasures. The limits of physical pleasures. How many of you know there's a limit to the sustaining power of physical pleasures? Jesus said to the woman, he said, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. This, this thing that you are craving, this thing that you think you need, this thing that you are going for to find some measure of fulfillment and satisfaction to, to, to fill the emptiness that you're experiencing, that thing is only temporary. It's not going to last. There is a limit to the sustaining power of physical pleasures. That one meal of comfort food may feel good, but it won't take away the stress in your life that drove you to it. That one drink that you take at the end of the day to take the edge off, it's not going to fix the problems in your life that drive you to it. That new car, that new house you want is not going to satisfy your desire for more possessions or, or elevate the status and make you feel like you, you belong more in this world. That next relationship you think you need is not going to fix the self-esteem issues that you have. That new TV show that you are binge-watching will not fulfill the loneliness that you experience. That next reel that you are scrolling up to watch will not fill the void inside your soul and fix the depression that you are experiencing. There is a limit to the sustaining power of physical pleasures. And Jesus says to this woman, he says, if you drink from this water, if you go to this source of physical sustenance for fulfillment, you will thirst again. It's temporary. There is a limit 
to the sustaining power of physical pleasures. And yet, we are constantly allured by things that overpromise, underdeliver, and do not last. And Jesus here is giving us a glimpse into the truth that our hungers are often misdirected. Our hungers often cause us to crave things that will not actually bring us lasting fulfillment. Now, when I think about hunger, I think about uh, hunger from a couple different perspectives, right? On, on the one hand, we have natural hungers, our natural biological hungers. It's the way we're designed, right? We have to have food. We have to have water. We have to have shelter. We have to have clothing, right? Eventually, we've got to have love and relationships and self-actualization, right? Go right up Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? All the things that we need as human beings. Those are things that we naturally have hunger for. But yet we also have conditioned hungers. Conditioned hungers. These are things that you and I have been trained to crave because of the culture that we live in, by our upbringing, by our exposure to certain substances and experiences. We're conditioned. Uh, Every one of us probably in uh, middle school science class learned about Russian scientist uh, Ian Pavlov who discovered that dogs could be trained to salivate at the ringing of a bell. Has anybody ever learned that? He learned that you could induce the hunger of a dog, you could cause a dog to salivate and, and, and train their behavior by simply ringing a bell. And it didn't take long for psychologists to figure out that you could manipulate humans the same way. In fact, most of you have a Pavlovian device on your person right now. It's in your pocket, it's in your purse, some of you it's in your hands because you can't let go of it. And every time it dings or rings or vibrates or sends you a push notification, you get a little rush of adrenaline and you have to respond. Why? Is it because it is so important for you to know that seven-time Super Bowl champion Tom Brady just retired yesterday? Let's have a moment of silence for that. No. I know Pastor Greg's an Eagle fan. Well, that, that involves some prayer as well. <laughs> But the truth is, is that our hungers and appetites are being conditioned, and it affects so much of our lives. It affects the way we spend our money. It affects the way we spend our free time. It affects the way uh, the, the careers and the futures that we pursue. It affects the things we try to get out of our relationships. We live in a world in which our hungers are being strategically manipulated by forces to which we have not paid attention. And if we're honest will admit that our hungers are not necessarily being conditioned for our benefit or our fulfillment. They're actually being conditioned to have a temporary fulfillment so that we'll go back again and go back again and go back again. Our cravings can be natural or they, be, or they can be conditioned. But if we're honest with ourselves, we'll admit that our hungers reveal what we put our faith in to satisfy them. Let me say that again. My hungers reveal what I put my faith in to satisfy them. We think about physical hunger as a metaphor for all of our other desires. We understand this. When I am physically hungry, I sense an emptiness inside of my stomach. And so I, I, I have a desire to, to eat. I've got a desire to eat. I'm, I know I'm killing you guys that have been fasting for 21 days here. We're almost to the end, all right? But we, we put our faith in food to take away that emptiness inside of our stomach, right? Whatever I put my, whatever I hunger for in that moment is what I think, what I desire is going to fulfill that emptiness that I experience. So, 
So that's physical hunger. But what do we do when we experience other kinds of emptiness? What do we do when we experience emotional pain or emptiness? What do we do? What do we do when we experience disappointment and unfulfillment in our jobs or in our marriages? What do we do? When we experience boredom or solitude or loneliness or depression, where do we go? What do we hunger after in those moments? My hunger in those moments reveal what I put my faith in to satisfy them. My hungers reveal what I inherently entrust, what I inherently trust to remove the emptiness that I experience. And so that's a big question we have to ask ourselves. As followers of Jesus Christ, when I experience any form of emptiness in my life, what is it that I want in that moment? Because that might be the very idol that, I'm, that is keeping me from finding satisfaction in Jesus Christ. Jesus compels us to understand that there is a limit to the sustaining power of physical pleasures. The second thing I want you to notice here is that Jesus compels us to see the power of a transformed hunger. The power of a transformed hunger. Jesus says to his disciples, he says, I have food to eat that you do not know about. And his disciples' response is this. Did somebody else bring him food already? I love their response. If this had happened, I feel like if this had happened in the South, Jesus' response to them would have been, I'll bless your heart. The disciples are absolutely clueless to this concept. They have, they have no idea that Jesus could somehow receive uh, any type of sustaining value other than food. The concept was something they could not wrap their minds around. And we can look at them and laugh, but the truth is that we are so often dependent and consumed with fulfilling the physical cravings that we do not recognize the greater food that Christ has to offer us. He says, I have food that you do not know about. And Jesus is compelling us to understand that there is more to satisfaction, there is more to hunger. There is more to satisfaction than fulfilling the object of our natural cravings, our natural hungers and desires. There's more to it. And so Jesus is trying to get us to understand that following him requires a transformation at the hunger level of my life. Following Jesus requires a transformation at the hunger level of my life. Jesus' model of discipleship involves far more than simply intellectual assent to certain truths. It involves a transformation at the deepest levels of our most intimate desires. I started off this message by saying discipleship is more a matter of hungering and thirsting than of knowing and believing. And the reason that our hungers matter so much to Jesus is that our hungers reveal what we truly love and what we put our trust in. And so following Jesus requires a transformation at the hunger level of my life. Not just the thinking and believing level of my life, but the hunger level of my life. How many of you know that, that change rarely happens in our lives through simple willpower or acting on new information? Let me say that again. Change in our lives does not happen simply through willpower and acting on new information. I'll give you an example. Um, when I was in high school, uh, they made us watch this documentary uh, about McDonald's. It's called Super Size Me. Has anybody ever seen that documentary? Right? He goes and he eats McDonald's for an entire month and gains all this weight and you know, gets extremely sick. And, and he exposes all of the unbelievable health risks associated with eating McDonald's. And I remember watching that documentary in high school. And when it was done, I thought to myself, that's it. 
I am never eating at McDonald's ever again. I have eaten there hundreds of times since then. Why? Because new information is not enough to change our hunger. New information is not enough. Change rarely happens from simply becoming more intellectually aware and willpowering our way to better choices. How many of you know there's a major difference between what we say we want or what we think we're supposed to want and what we actually want? And for true change to happen in our lives, we have to experience transformation at at a deeper level, at the gut level, at the visceral level, at the deepest places of our desires. We don't need new information. We need a new hunger. And the true evidence of a follower of Jesus Christ is not someone who knows or, I'm sorry, my notes just betrayed me for a moment. True evidence of a follower of Jesus Christ is someone not, not just who, who knows the right things or, or has their behavior changing, but it's someone whose hungers are transformed. The transformation that Jesus desires to accomplish in our lives is more than just intellectual change. Understand that with me. The change that Jesus wants to accomplish in your life is more than just intellectual change. It's more than just you saying, yes, I understand it and I believe it. It's about the transformation of the deepest loves of our heart. When our hungers are transformed, then our behaviors follow. I don't know about you, but there are moments in my life where where it's very clear, right? I I have a choice to make, and and I have a choice between doing what I know is right, and I have a choice between doing what I know is wrong. And, and in those moments, I can, I can look at those two choices and I can say, okay, God, I see, I see the choice that I need to make, but I don't want to make that choice, right? And I see the choice that, that, I don't, uh, that I know you don't want me to make, but that's the one I want to make, right? I desire to make this choice, but I know you want me to make this choice. But God, in, in, in the way, I'm going to honor you, so I'm going to drag myself kicking and screaming inside, but I'm going to do whatever it takes to do what you want me to do because, because that's the right thing. And I can do that, and that's great, but I'll tell you what. That's not good enough for me. I want more than that. I want more than that. I want to be so in love with Jesus Christ that when he says, Dan, I want you to go this way, my heart says, yes, God, I want to go that way too. Because that's where you are, and that's where my hunger is, and that's where my desire is, and that's where my greatest love is. And I know that nowhere else in this world am I going to find satisfaction and fulfillment than being where you are and doing what it is that you want me to do. I want more than that. So Jesus shows us here. He shows us that there is a limit to the sustaining power of physical pleasures. There is power when our hungers are transformed. And finally, Jesus gives us the promise of lasting fulfillment. Jesus says, I have food to eat that you do not know about. He says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. He says, my food is to align myself with the Father and to be so close to him and so near him that I am able to accomplish his work in and through my life. 
My food is to do the will of him who sent me. And what is, what is the, the work of God that Jesus came to do? It's the work of redemption. It's the work of redemption through the cross. Jesus says, Jesus is, is literally heading towards his own death. He's heading towards pain and suffering and death. And he says, in this path, this is where I find sustaining life and fulfillment. It's in aligning my life with the Father and by doing his will. And in doing that, that's what sustains Jesus. And in the end, that's what sustains us as well. Physical pleasures have only temporary sustaining value, Jesus says, but he offers us something better. Jesus says to the woman, he says, if you knew, if you knew the gift of God that is, if he says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Jesus is saying, if you only knew the gift of God that is Jesus, if you only knew what it was like to experience the fulfillment of knowing him, of knowing his love and his saving grace, and to have the honor and privilege of participating in his work, if you only knew that, then you would understand that everything else is hollow and empty and temporary and shallow and doesn't last. And he says, if you would begin to see me for who I am, I'd begin to give you a new hunger. When Jesus met that Samaritan woman and, and, when, and when she met him for the first time and he, he told her everything about herself, all of the worst parts of her life, he exposed them right before her and she found that he still loved her anyway. It transformed her life. It changed her. And in that moment, she left and she, she, she forgot about her physical needs. She forgot about her plans. She forgot about her schedule, her agenda for the day, the hunger she'd been conditioned to pay attention to, all of that. She forgot all of it. And she began to pursue a new hunger. It changed her life. Friends, it's only Jesus. It's only Jesus lasting fulfillment in our lives. It's only Jesus. This is why this is why you've gone through these 21 days of hunger. Why? It's not so that we can fast and pray and then tell God, hey God, see, see all the fasting and praying that we're doing, God? You see how spiritual we are? You've got to respond now. No. It's it's to put ourselves in a place where we can see him more clearly. It's to put ourselves in a place where we, where we spend time in his presence. And as we behold him, our love for him grows. Our desire for him grows. Our passion for him grows. And the very hungers of our lives are transformed in his presence. As long as I've been a person of faith and call myself a follower of Jesus Christ, I continually have to come back to this truth so simple and yet so easily lost but it's this is that only Jesus can satisfy only Jesus can satisfy everything else is empty shallow hollow temporary doesn't last only Jesus and it's so easy for us it's so easy for us to look at Jesus and say Jesus we love you because you are the gateway to heaven and you're the gateway to eternal life. But I'll tell you what, Jesus is so much more than that. Jesus is not, he's not just the gateway to heaven. Jesus is the great treasure of heaven. 
Heaven without Jesus would not be heaven. Jesus is not just the gateway to eternal life. Jesus is eternal life. He is eternal life. It's not just found through him. It's found in him. And because it's found in him, we can have it right now. It's only through Jesus. It's only through Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? First, I'd just like to say, maybe you're here today. Maybe you're here today. And you would say, Dan, I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I've never put my trust in him for salvation. I have run away from God, not towards God. I've put my faith in other things to satisfy me. But today, I want to make a decision to follow Jesus Christ. I want you to know that you can do that right now. The quietness of your heart. You can begin to pray and say, Jesus, Father God, I acknowledge that I am sinful and lost without you. And I receive the work of your son, Jesus Christ, on my behalf through faith. I commit my life to you from this day forward. You can do that right now, right in the quietness of your heart. You can give your life to Jesus Christ. The scriptures say that when you do that, God receives you into his family. He, into his kingdom, he calls you a son and daughter of God. And all of heaven rejoices with you. And if you made that decision today, I want you to know that there's a church here that loves you, a leadership here that would love to pray with you and walk you through some next steps for your life. But for those of you who are here today that call yourself followers of Jesus Christ, I want you to ask yourselves this question in your own hearts as we close in prayer. Is it, what is it? What is it that I rely on to sustain me? What is it that I rely on to sustain me? What is the great love or hunger of my heart that I run to when I experience emptiness? The answer is anything less than the person of Jesus Christ himself. Then we're pursuing something that's only temporary. Heavenly Father, today we thank you. God, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for your great love for us, expressed to us so perfectly and fully through the person and work of Jesus Christ. And God, today we acknowledge, we confess, God, that there are so many moments in our lives where we pursue something that is temporary, something that overpromises and underdelivers. Something that's a lesser God that tries to, it, it cheaply tries to take the place of you in our lives. Something that we hunger after in moments of emptiness. Something that we crave in moments of desperation and pain. When we should be running to you, God, we confess that there are so many things in our lives that, that we run to instead of you. God, today we ask, Lord, that you would do a transforming work in us. Not just to work in our minds, not just to work in our beliefs. God, but do a work in the deepest levels of our desires. God, would you change and transform the deepest primal loves of our hearts and orient them towards you. And God, we thank you that as we do that, you do in us what we could never do in ourselves. God, you begin to build in us a love for you and you fulfill us in ways that we could never be fulfilled on our own. Lord, remind us once again of the truth that true satisfaction and fulfillment is only found in Jesus Christ. 
It's only found when we align our lives with you, when we draw close to you and we find fulfillment in being a part of what it is that you're doing. God, give us the food to eat that the others don't know about. God, fulfill us with you, with your presence in our lives. Do it in us, we pray in Jesus' name.